Well, hello and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grodi, your host for this program. We're coming to you from the studios of the Coming Home Network International. And uh, today, as we jump into this program, it's a great pleasure uh, to invite my oldest son, John Mark, who's the uh, COO, Chief Operating Officer of the Coming Home Network International. I will begin by saying that this reflection that we're going going to do today on Hebrews chapter 12, primarily, um, is not going to be a, a scholarly, exegetical uh, a program based on a lot of notes, because I took advantage of John Mark being here in the studios, and we wanted to do something together, and this was a great scripture that I thought would be nice for us to reflect on as we start the coming year, uh, following in our our uh, becoming, abiding, and abounding in Christ uh, format of this program. So I want to invite John Mark to join. In fact, maybe John Mark, let me invite you before we get into the study. Uh, you're one of the biggest encouragements to me uh, to get back into Deep in Scripture programs. <laughs> maybe talk about why you think Deep in Scripture is a, a big part of our work here in the Coming Home sure. Network. Well, we appreciate all you uh, listening out there. You know, the, the Deep in Scripture is, program has taken different forms over the years. You know, as, as the Coming Home Network has kind of morphed in different ways uh, to the new media and to new uh, pieces of outreach. But, you know, many people have, have really been encouraging over the years uh, who have listened and enjoyed this program. And so as we, we look into 2019, um, you know, we're really excited about getting back into a regular week, weekly program with Deep in Scripture. I, I think it really is an important piece of the overall work of the Coming Home Network. Again, I think most uh, out there listening are familiar with the Coming Home Network, but even for those who aren't, you know, the Coming Home Network was established to help non-Catholic Christians, uh, lay and clergy, come home to the Catholic Church. And so we are a network of, of converts to the Catholic faith, uh, as well as Catholics uh, who are supporters of the work. And, you know, as a network, we share the stories, we live our faith out, we pray for one another, and we pray for uh, the renewal of the Church for Christian unity, and we help others who are on the journey to come home. And we do that, again, through the stories, and we have a website at chnetwork.org, uh, and so again, I think this this program is an important piece of work because again, so many people come to the church because they start with a love of scripture, uh, and and being faithful to those scriptures, faithful to Christ in the scriptures, is what eventually opens the door for for Christ to invite them home to the fullness that He wants to give them, and in that fullness, in the fullness of the church and in the sacraments and the the, the teaching authority and the tradition of the church, I think it's the experience of of many of our members that. They, they're able to go even go deeper in Scripture. They find a deeper fullness of Scripture in its, in its home, which is the body of Christ, the Church. So, you know, this program is an opportunity for us to go deeper in some of those Scriptures that we, we knew in the past, but that we maybe see in a, in a different light. It's also, you know, a place to, to dialogue with, with members. It's, it's a place to clarify some things. It's invite, to invite people who, uh, who are thinking about coming home to the Catholic Church to recognize that uh, this, this is a Church that loves Scripture, and this is actually the, a church where you'll find the fullness, you'll find the the deepest kind of seat of Scripture uh, for your faith. When I think about the need for this deep in Scripture kind of study, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a recognition up front that very often when we come to the Word of God, we look at it through lenses. Right. And sometimes the lenses that we've ad adopted are not necessarily accurate. They mm -hmm. can they can taint the way we see scripture. And so we're, we're looking at scripture through the lenses of the church, through the lenses of the recognition that when our Lord inspired the 
apostles and other New Testament writers, for example, um, that the tradition that was then passed on by our Lord to the apostles, to their successors, was not merely limited to the written word, but was a much bigger deposit, which included sacred tradition. And so we need to see those together. Now, this genre that we're entering into for Deep in Scriptures is one of the ways we'll look at mm-hmm. this in the future, is this idea that I mentioned last week, mm-hmm. uh, which is becoming, abiding, and abounding in Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's a way of looking at the the journey of our faith in following Christ. It isn't merely I accepted Jesus one time 50 years ago and right. now I've arrived. Yeah. It's a journey. And one way to understand this journey is to look at conversion in stages. Mm-hmm. And one can see that in there's there's life before Christ, before a person has put faith in Christ, heard about Christ, heard about the church, or they've heard and they haven't responded. But then the next stage is by grace they respond and they become in Christ. And that changes a person. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on. And our Lord uses the phrase in John 15, to abide in him, continue to remain in him. So that's what most of the New Testament is about, Mm -hmm. is about abiding in him. Now, that that also recognizes that it's possible not to abide. Mm -hmm. In other words, being baptized in Jesus doesn't guarantee heaven. We must continue um, so uh, a person can fall away. We ourselves can be distant from Christ and not even realize it. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about these things today in these right. scriptures. But there's also, in all the New Testament, it talks about how we abound in Christ as a result of mm-hmm. being in him and then continuing to abide in him. Of course, we look forward to the beatific vision, mm-hmm. but even in the present we experience new life in Christ. Mm-hmm. And there's also what we be, what we reap if we don't abide in Christ. And there's scriptures on all these things. Right. And so we'll be covering these in the future. Today, I invited John Mark to join me to reflect on some verses in Hebrews. Principally, we'll look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 11 through 16, and then at the end of that chapter, verses 28 through 29. But also, we'll have a little time looking at Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1, and then verses 12 through 15. And the reason I chose these is I thought about a couple things. Um, Coming into 2019, um, how do we set up an uh, if you will, an agenda, a target mm-hmm. for the work of the Coming Home Network. Also, this will be broadcast during the week of unity. Mm-hmm. And so these scriptures talk about the necessity of unity in Jesus Christ in his church. But they also pose each of us a challenge as we begin this new year on what does it mean to abide in Jesus Christ? And we can, we'll reflect on that. Yeah. So let me begin by reading Hebrews chapter 12, 11 through 16. And these will be our primary focus. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. 
Later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with all men, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fail to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble. And by it the many become defiled, that no one be immoral or irreligious like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. Now, John Mark, before we jump yeah. into that, I, this is where I want to draw us mm-hmm. to a couple things. First of all, the three sections of Scripture that we're going to look at, and I'm going to say that I think, John Mark, I'm going to try and have this piece of paper that we're looking at yeah. posted on the website. Yeah, if you go to chnetwork.org and then up under the resources menu, click Deep in Scripture, and you'll see this episode once it's live. But we'll have some notes and the, the Scripture references that we're going over today. So if you want to listen, right. read along as we're, yeah. as we're talking. But you'll notice that John 12, that section, and then the Hebrews 3, and then the Hebrews 12... 28th section, all begin with the same word, mm-hmm. the word therefore. Right. And I want to emphasize that, that we, in essence, are jumping into the middle of a long argument mm-hmm. posed by the author of Hebrews. So and apologetically, we recognize we can't cover everything in this short broadcast. So we encourage you, of course, to read the whole book of Hebrews. And those references are Hebrews 12, 12, Hebrews 3, 1. And Hebrews 12, 28. Those are the three therefores that Dad's referencing there. So in other words, what we're looking at is a, are three different conclusions mm-hmm. that the author of Hebrews is drawing based on the other things he's been talking about. Right. But we're going to focus on those three conclusions. But then the second thing I want to draw us back to Hebrews 3 for a mm-hmm. second, because this is very important to understanding the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. If we talked about the being and becoming in Christ, or the abiding in Christ, or before being in Christ, what is he writing to? Who is he writing to? And he says in Hebrews 3, verse 1, Therefore, holy brethren, Mm -hmm. who share in a heavenly call, consider Jesus, the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Now, just that verse alone right. says something very important about the context of this entire book. Right. He's he's speaking to brethren. He's speaking to the church. You know, th- this isn't this is this is a letter that only makes sense in the context of church. Um, you know, he's he's writing an exhortatory letter uh, to them uh, about the faith. But this isn't a this isn't a, the the first letter dropped on their steps to evangelize. Then this isn't a, the, the guidebook. This is a letter you know, from, uh, yeah, to his people. So he's assuming, for example, as we are talking to you, that we're on the same page with Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're holy brethren. We're, we've recognized that by, the, by baptism and faith, the reception of the Holy Spirit, we're new creations in Christ. We've come into Christ. Um, in, in other words, holy brethren sanctified by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Right. That's who he's talking to. And I'm assuming he's talking to us mm-hmm. for that very same reason. We share in a heavenly call. 
Mm-hmm. And whenever I hear that phrase, share in a heavenly call, I'm reminded of what St. Paul said in the third chapter of Philippians when he says that he hadn't become perfect yet, but forgetting what lies behind, he presses onward, what? To the heavenly call right. in Jesus Christ. So the heavenly call isn't a statement of guarantee. It's the trajectory. Mm-hmm. To which we aim, and it's a challenge to you know to his fellow talking to people who are his his holy brethren. He's able to set up these these tall challenges uh, throughout this chapter. Uh, yeah, throughout this whole, this whole uh, letter. In fact, John Mark, why don't you go on with chapter three, verse twelve through fifteen, and reflect on just what you've said? Go ahead and read that. So, okay, so uh, yeah, this is Hebrews three twelve. Take care, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Christ, if only we hold our first confidence firm to the end. While it is said, today when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. He, the, the author of Hebrews is warning Christians, mm-hmm. be careful, be careful take care because especially in the midst of a time that they were living that Christians have gone through for 2000 years and what we're going through now there's a danger that an evil unbelieving heart can grow within us right we can presume we've arrived we can presume everything is just right but through the influence of all the voices in our life we, the whisper of the enemy on our shoulder, very much like C.S. Lewis's mm-hmm. uh, screw tape letters, right. the whisper to draw us away can, can start infiltrating the very s- center of our being, causing us to be drawn away. Yeah, and it's, and it's interesting too here that it, it seems to present two, two dangers. You know, one is of, um, you because know, he, he draws attention to it being today. And so there's the, or the urgency of the gospel that... Th- Every day could be the last day, so there's never a time to, to, to sit on one's haunches. Um, but then there's also this this uh, being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, and I know that that is something you'll get into more uh, in the first verse that you read. But you know, either being lackadaisical, you know, just assuming there's plenty of time, or by looking at all the evils of the time and growing bitter or growing discouraged. You know, we're navigating between either of those that would take us away from just trying to live out the faith fully and faithfully today. You know, I know, John Mark, um, that you are um, uh, a, a great supporter of, of uh, Rod Dreyer's The Benedict Option. Oh, yeah, I like that book. A, a good mm-hmm. book and, mm-hmm. and, and, a, and a good friend. We, we would say, you know, call him that because we liked his writings very much. But, I mean, what is the theme of that whole Benedict Option issue? It's mm-hmm. what's emphasized there in verse 13. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What? Exhort one another. Mm-hmm. Every day, um, in other words, the, the community, the necessity of right. supporting one another because of the dangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think about that. The community aspect of that verse there—that you know, how do we help to navigate between those two dangers? Well, we need exactly what what Paul's doing in this letter, which is we need to be exhorting one another. You know, I, I think I, I see this dynamic at parishes a lot where. We haven't gone to the level with our fellow parishioners where we could call each other holy brethren. It's interesting to think about that. Can I can I really look across the pew to other people and 
and talk to them as holy brethren. Well, no, most of the time I can barely talk about anything other than the sports and the weather with them because we've not gotten to this level. We can talk about the faith seriously where I can exhort them and they can exhort me, but we need that. We must have that community of holy brethren and sistren, you know, where we can be helping each other to neither grow lax nor to become discouraged, but to remain faithful today. The support of community, as he says, to exhort one another every day. Mm-hmm. So it's a continual, regular right. fellowship. Mm-hmm. Koinonia, yeah. use the, the, the Greek text, Greek word for that. As long as it is called, and he has it in quotes, today, yeah. the urgency of it, uh, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 14, and again, this is why I dropped back to Hebrews 3 before we jumped into the main text. For we share in Christ. Okay, now he's talking to Christians. We Mm -hmm. share in Christ. If only, if only Mm -hmm. we hold our first confidence firm to the end. That emphasizes the danger of slipping away. In the middle of Hebrews... Chapter 6, he talks about someone, he says it's impossible to bring them back because they essentially had been baptized. They tasted the, the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. They had everything, but they apostatized. How difficult it is when someone even experiences everything that we experience on a Sunday when we mm-hmm. go to Mass right. over and over and over again. All the sacramental graces does not mean that there cannot grow a bitterness an unbelieving heart, so that we lose that confidence, we become disenchanted mm-hmm. and and drift away. Right. And so he's, again, the point in Hebrews 3 is, don't let this happen. Yeah. Not just yourself, but to one another in mm-hmm. the community. So the reason I jumped ahead on that was, this is the context. Oh, and actually, before we go on there, you know, uh, just another shout out here. This is the reason that the Coming Home Network is here. You know, because as people consider the Catholic Church and they're on that journey, and I, you know, many out there listening may be on some place along that journey. There's a lot of rough spots along that journey. And then even becoming Catholic, especially now in 2019, we understand that just because you enter the church, which we believe to be the body of Christ, you know, his church, that doesn't mean it's all smooth sailing. And we need more than ever, we need community. And so that's why the Coming Home Network is, is there for you. Please, you know, if you haven't already, connect with us uh, in the various ways that are available because we need to be. Uh, in community and, and supporting one another. And I guess before I move on, I also realized we just mentioned Rob Dreher's book on the Benedict Option. And, and, and before I made this an infomercial on the book, my point of emphasizing that and, and to make sure Rod was not using that book to try and promote indifferentism. It didn't matter what church you belong to. Mm-hmm. We believe being a, part, being a Catholic is very, very important. Mm-hmm. But his point in the, was that in this given age, that Christians need to support one another to fight the battle in community, mm-hmm. to recognize that solo Christians, it's very difficult for individuals, self-sufficient Christians to survive the onslaught, uh, as it says here in the evil, unbelieving voice that yeah. wants to turn our heart away. Yeah, you know, if we really take seriously, again, this is why I think that, you know, the urgency of the gospel is such an important thing to keep in front of our, our minds, because if we if we assume that we have plenty of time, that we're going to have a whole long life ahead, the church has a whole long life ahead of her, to, we'll get this all figured out eventually. 
well, then that, that doesn't put us in a position where we need to make the radical changes that we may need to make right now. You know, if, if, our, if our parishes are not evangelizing, then our parishes need to be renewed. If our, if our schools aren't catechizing, then our schools need to be changed. If the way that, if the sort of normal lifestyle that even we as Catholics have picked up from the culture that we just, you know, sprinkle a little bit of Catholic stuff in. If those aren't producing saints, then those lifestyles have to be changed. And again, I think that's what it's about here is that if we take that seriously, then now is the time. Today is the time to begin making those changes, those changes to those secondary, less important things so that they're in service of the most important thing, which is following and serving Christ. All right. Let's go back to then to Hebrews 12, beginning with verse 11. Here's the context. The author is speaking to Christians who are in in a difficult time facing challenges. And he says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now, the context before this verse uh, was using the image of a father Mm -hmm. who loves his children will discipline them. And that was the model for recognizing that God loves us and wants us to grow in holiness and righteousness, and so discipline. And it's not too, a couple weeks away, and we've got Lent coming up, Mm -hmm. when we recognize that the church has always encouraged its people to detach themselves Mm -hmm. from otherwise maybe insignificant things, but it, it trains our heart and our mind and our will to be able to withstand bigger struggles in life. So we take that time to discipline ourselves. Mm -hmm. And for the purpose of uh, growing in righteousness, growing in holiness, and we do that if it says here to those who have been trained by it. So again, as John Mark, you were talking about, it's an urgent thing. We, I remember a statement, I know I've said on the Journey Home program far too many times, uh, Father Gary Goulagrange's statement that in the ways of God, he who does not progress loses ground. Right. We never reach a level in which we can kick back on our lazy boy and say we've arrived. Because mm. as soon as we think we've arrived, we're losing ground. Right. And that's the point here. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's why he disciplines us, to keep us moving forward towards him. Then verse 12, he begins the therefore, okay, given this background of discipline, the way God uh, allows things in our life, even suffering, um, so that we continually turn to him. He said, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Now, in the literal, it may be merely reflecting on the results of discipline in the previous verses, that mm-hmm. as a result of all the things that are happening that are disciplining us, struggle, the struggles, the suffering, we're not doing too well. Yep. Drooping hands, weak knees, distracted, mm-hmm. away from the straight path, uh, so we feel kind of lame about it, and the danger is that not only we are merely lame, but we might uh, be put out of joint. So that's one way that he's summarizing. But there's another level of this, that which it really might be referring to the struggle of liturgy and worship. Hmm. 
Yeah, well, it, I feel like it, it, you know, it, what it points to me here is this, this mystery that we receive through Scripture. You know, we receive two things that we hold in tension in the Christian life, and that is, on the one hand, it's all God. It's all His grace. You know, He does it. He always takes the first step. We depend completely on Him. But on the other, other hand, <laughs> then He steps back and says, you know, and, and he, we have free will. And there's a mystery of how those two things work together. But, and so w- when we find ourselves in the situation, sometimes we're in the situation, we need to kind of buck up and receive that grace. God doesn't force anything on us. And so, you know, you, you bring up the, the uh, you know, our, actually, I think a great example, we have the liturgy, we were talking about this earlier, you know, about how even in our approach to, you know, the, the duty of worship and of, of approaching God, we can do that. We can be uh, depressed. We can be kind of borne down by the cares of the world. And we can approach those things, but with this, this weakness of spirit, uh, maybe manifested in the weakness of body. Um, and one of the ways to kind of, to buck up and, and, you know, really approach God with a strong heart is first start, start with your body, you know, your drooping hands and your weak knees, you know, stand up straight and kneel, you know, and speak with boldness and confidence and call on the Lord, you know, um, there's that mystery there that he, it's, it's all God's grace, you know, but he works even through our action, through our will. And, and sometimes the first step is saying, you know what? Okay. Today is the day. Let's, let's do this. Yeah. There's another verse, um, in, uh, uh here where it, it calls, uh, I'm looking for it real quick. Uh, it, it calls for the members to, uh, be faithful in going to worship. Mm-hmm. I forget where that's at. It sh- I should know, but I'm getting older. Um, it's in Hebrews here, mm-hmm. where it says, you know, don't neglect to meet together. Yeah, you know, the the when you're un- discouraged and you've got these things happening, pretty soon, uh, honey, do I really want to get up and drive ten miles down there to church? Yeah, um, and so pretty soon, you, there you are. The whisper in your ear is to neglect the community, to mm-hmm. neglect the liturgy to neglect the fellowship. And the image here that I see in verse 12, 13, the earliest drawings in the catacombs of a man praying mm-hmm. is a man standing with his arms raised. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the image, of course, with the priest that stands when when doing the Eucharistic prayer. He's got his arms raised to God. Mm-hmm. And so we see here lift up your drooping hands. You have this image of a person who's just given up. Mm -hmm. Strengthen your weak knees. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of the people that don't want to kneel, want to (laughs) sit back in the pew. Uh, Make straight paths for your feet. Think about all the other distractions in your mind when you're there in worship, rather than listening to the scriptures Mm -hmm. or listening to the liturgy. so that what is lame may not get worse. Which, you know, it, it reminds me of the parable of the talents. It's like, you know, the, again, there's this mystery of here of God gives us something, but if we don't make something with it, if we don't exert in our small way what he's given us, which is our will, which is our choice to follow him, then even what we have will be taken away from us. And so, you know, like, and again, I think the liturgy is a great example of this, or these simple sacramentals, uh, which are the ways that we use our own body in prayer. Sometimes, especially on days when we're not feeling it, you know, when the, when the world is, he- you know, um, sitting heavy on us, sometimes all we have are the most simple physical things. We get out of bed, we drop to our knees, we raise our hands in prayer, we raise our voice in prayer. And again, sometimes our heart's not there, just like in anything in life, you know, but that choice still to be faithful in those little ways that we can, 
that is this way that we, yeah. again, we, we lift up our drooping hands, we strengthen our weak knees, and we accept and we ask for and accept God's healing. These are three commands that the author of Hebrews is giving to those Christians. Lift up, mm-hmm. it's an action called for. Strengthen, it's, ask, it's an action. Make straight. So mm-hmm. that's our first step. Right. That's our first step that we need to do. And then the process, we're asking God to, uh, to bless those actions yeah. with his grace. And he goes on with another command in verse 14, strive for peace with all men and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now, on the one hand, I'm assuming this is going to be broadcast during the week of unity. And so it's a call for peace with all men. Um, And we recognize that God desires all men to come to faith and the knowledge of the truth. That's the call of the gospel, to go out and do what we can as channels of the gospel to all people. But also in this verse, he's basically saying, strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Mm. And I'm wondering, do we so quickly read through Scripture when we're reading it, either in Liturgy of the Hours or whatever we're doing, and we don't pause to hear what that verse says? Mm -hmm. I mean, John Mark, how serious is that verse? Strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. I mean, that's, that's powerful. Um, who is holy? God is holy. And we're commanded to seek the, perf- the perfection, like our, our Father in heaven is perfect, is holy. There's nothing in here that uh, gives us any any grounds for for sitting back or feeling that we've arrived. It's it's this constant, continual conversion uh, that Paul is calling for. And again, it reminds me of that place where Paul says in uh, Philippians, where he he admits it's almost as is that um, he says um, in chapter three, he said in, in order they said for this. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as refuge in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own based on law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that if possible, Mm. I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on Mm -hmm. to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brethren, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah. So so many of the verbs here and throughout the New Testament in terms of, again, there's always this mystery of God's God's plan, God's foreknowledge, uh, God's perfect plan, as well as the free will he gives us that we have to cooperate with him. Well, the verbs that most often used for what we are part of the equation is simply this, you know, prepare ye the way way of the Lord. So we're, you know, we're lifting up our drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, make the straight the paths, strive for peace with all men. So we just, you know, we, we need to clear that space, you know, to receive the grace that God wants to, to give us and for him to perform the works through us that he wants to perform. But 
he, he still waits on us to ask for that help, to depend on him, to open up and say, yes, Lord, that fiat with Mary. We, we, that, that's our part, is to, is to open up and make straight the paths and then welcome uh, his grace and his guidance. Yeah, and again, strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. When I was a Presbyterian pastor, Congregationalist pastor, I was brought up a Lutheran. Um, a part of my theology is once saved, always saved. We never talked about the need to grow in holiness. We, we just assumed, well, my, I'm so depraved mm-hmm. that there's really nothing I can do, mm-hmm. and all I can do is, is hope that I'm covered with the, the righteousness of Jesus. Right. As if it's not my holiness, it's his. Right. But that's not what Paul says. Right. We are called to grow in holiness. Now, rightfully, many outside the church, well, not rightfully, but the reality is that many outside the church assume that we Catholics think we do it on our own right. through our works. Because there is a real, there, there is a, a, a nuanced mystery here. Again, this, the, we, the scripture presents us with, you know, in so many places, you know, God's foreknowledge, his, his, his perfect plan, his providence, he sees all, and he, you know, it, it's all happening through him and through his grace. You know, grace alone, we could almost say, and we would, you know, we would agree with that. You know, but on the other hand, Scripture also presents us with all these verses of we must strive to the end. You know, do not have an unbelieving heart. Do not give. You know, exhort one another every day as long as it's today. Don't uh, you hold our first it. confidence to the end. Yeah. So it, the the error is trying to resolve either one of those. You know, and and ignore the other. But Scripture presents us with both. And and the tr- I think the truth is found in living out the tension between those. On the one hand, yes, it's all God's grace. It's all His plan. You know, but but our part is to say yes and to cooperate, and then it's it's His will being done in us, um, and so that holiness again. This is not a holiness we can earn, that we can create, that we can we can manifest by our own bootstraps. You know, we don't become holy and virtuous by being just the strongest and most organized and most intent and the most productive. No, we do by being the most dependent on God, the most receptive, by having the most open hearts and cooperating with Him at every step of the way. Lift up your drooping hands. At least do that. Yeah. I mean, there's the beginning. <laughs> it's a good place to start. Good yeah. place to start. <laughs> and then grace, it, it, was it the grace that lifted my hands or was it me? It's the mystery there. Yeah. It's a both hand. And that's why the next verse, 15, says, because holy, because, back to 14, because holiness is necessary. Yeah. Absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. Jesus said that in the Sermon on the Mount. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's necessary. Mm-hmm. As Paul said in Philippians 3, he's still working towards it. Yep. Okay, then verse 16, see to it that no one fail to obtain the grace of God. Mm-hmm. That's, again, back to our ministry, the Coming yep. Home Network, that's what we're all about, mm-hmm. is we want to make sure that we do everything we can, not only that that people discover the beauty of the Catholic Church, uh, but also by prayer receive the graces necessary. Mm-hmm that their hearts and minds are open to the fullness. Why? So that they can grow in the necessary holiness for yeah. salvation. And these aren't graces that are that out there we have to go get. These are graces that are always already there that God's offering to us. You know, but again, it comes back to, are we going to lift up our hands and, and receive what he wants to offer to us? That's what this, you know, see that no one obtains that grace that he's always already offering to them, but they may miss, you know, they may fail to see, they may fail to accept, they may fail to be open to. Because without that grace, as he goes on, 
The reason we want them to have the grace is so that no root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble, and by it the many become defiled. Mm-hmm. Without the grace, there's that danger mm-hmm. of growing in bitterness. And right. in the time even that we're speaking, all of us know that our church is going through great trial uh, because of the failure of many leaders in the church. And we recognize that many of us laity have failed to. Uh, but we can see the, the root of bitterness, and we hear about it growing in the hearts and minds of so many faithful. They're, they're losing that first confidence. Um, and it's as many people, because of the news of what's happening, the startled nature of it, feel defiled. Um, and as a result, can can uh, turn, just as the author doesn't want to happen, can turn. So that in their weakness of faith, in other words, their, their lameness is even put out of joint rather than healed. Mm-hmm. And so what, what's needed is the grace of God to empower them to grow forward mm-hmm. and move in God's direction. Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways you could analyze that that piece here of, of you know of a root of bitterness growing up. One that came to mind when you're talking just now is precisely the, the the pitfall of the modern media, the modern interconnected world, is that um, while we can use that interconnectivity to build one another up, we can also use it to simply to spread and to dwell on and to despair about uh, the evil that is going on out there. You know, I mean, because the, in the end, the reality is that it is still in God's hands. And in, and in my life, I am called to raise my drooping hands and strengthen my knees and receive God's grace and fulfill my vocation. But it's so easy to, to constantly kind of dwell in the news and not be doing my part, not obtaining the grace that God's re- giving to me. He's not giving you grace through the muckraking news media of any sort. That's not where, where God's grace is imparted. It's to you through prayer. It's through the sacraments. And so there's, there's so many ways that we can... We can look into the, the the bad things going on in the world, and and turn. We can look away from God. You know, we can turn away from from the gaze on Him, and be focusing on all that stuff, and and let that uh, that root of bitterness and despair uh, to spring up. Verse sixteen, uh, which is a, a second part of what started in verse fifteen. See to it that no one fail to obtain the grace of God that no one be immoral or irreligious, like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. And I think, I don't stand in judgment, obviously none of us do, of, of people who have failed, mm-hmm. um, uh, but for the grace of God, go I. But what's sad is, just like Esau, we see people's lives completely destroyed for a single meal, for something, for a, temp, a simple temptation, for something they they give into for a moment's pleasure, they destroy their own life and the lives of others around them. You well, know, it says here, by, by it the many become defiled. Uh, I don't want to name names of people that we've read about over the last many years who were very public religious figures, but whose lives f- failed and as a result, brought a lot of people down with them. They need our prayers, but they also need the grace of God, and they need to be encouraged not to be distracted Mm -hmm. so that whatever brooding 
bitterness that might be in their heart doesn't lean to their faith to become out of joint, but rather that it might be healed by the grace of God working in their lives. Yeah, and again, so we've got those two dangers that were referenced in, in Hebrews, um, uh, in the earlier verses from Hebrews 3. You know, on the one hand of, of looking at, you know, t- letting our gaze stray and looking at the badness going on in the world and to become despairing, but also on the other hand to just, to, to, not, to not feel the urgency you know, to presume that we have all this time to get it figured out. I would presume, especially in the case of scandals, we're, in many cases we're talking about people that at some point had faith, you know, that intended well, that, that had a calling, that, that knew the truth. You know, but one of the things that allows us to go from that, from, uh, from, from knowing God and being faithful to you know, the, the, the despicable decisions that people end up in is a lack of urgency. That the, the little sins, the little... The little um, ways that I am not living today in light of eternity, that those don't matter that much because I've still got a long life ahead of me to get this figured out. But day by day, you know, that lack of urgency, that lukewarmness, you know, can denigrate into, into the worst sin. And, and it's, the danger is almost, is more for those who God has given that grace. You know, when, when they are not gaining ground, that, that loss is all the greater. You know, um, again, I don't want to name names, but I Right now, I'm thinking of three very prominent priests in the Catholic Church who've fallen in the last 10 years, all three of which I knew very personally, all three of which I was startled to hear about the details of their failings, because when I knew them, they were nothing but faithful images of men who had dedicated their lives to follow Jesus Christ, had heard the call, followed them in the ministry. And so the danger when we look at the scandals is we immediately just see that person as a failure or as despicable, and we're missing the point. We know that our Lord, in fact, in the book of Hebrews, it says that our Lord was tempted in every way, every way, but without sin. Now you think about that. Every possible temptation that's out there, the devil threw at our Lord in his humanity, but he did not sin. Now, if a person, man or woman, is called to follow Christ and and, and responds to that call and gives their life to imitate Christ, they too will be tempted Mm -hmm. in every way. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, the world will hate you because it hated me. So in other words, the battle is not just with the world, it's with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And in every way that our Lord is tempted, so will anyone that follows him. So when we see a a great Christian leader who's given his life and surrendered to Jesus Christ, we have to recognize that person is inviting the battle, mm-hmm. needs our prayers, needs God's mercy. And so when they horrendously fall, we have to be careful not to condemn them, but to recognize they failed, and we can too. Everything we're talking about in these scriptures can happen to any one of us. And so that's why we need the grace and the fellowship and the community to support us so we don't fall and go down that path. Right, and again, so in the emphasis on today, you know, oftentimes we're, we're imagining 
you know, way off in the distance in the future that, you know, there'll be some big decision or some big temptation. But today there is grace that God is offering me that I must not fail to obtain. You know, each little temptation today, each challenge today is an opportunity to offer it up. That Catholic phrase, offering it up. Well, the, the whole point of offering, excuse me, offering it up is recognizing that today through the challenges through uh, the, the normal duties of my life, each time I'm getting back up, each time I'm lifting my drooping hands and strengthening my weak knees, that those are opportunities for grace. And again, we have to take, we have to recognize that at the at scandals come at the long at the tail end of a long process of of not recognizing the urgency of the gospel. And so, to, you know, today am I proceeding along that path toward the holiness without which I will not see the Lord, or today am I Am I taking another step back? Am I, am, I, am I missing the grace that God wants to give me through the sacrament of the, the, the present, the today? Through baptism and faith, a person comes into Christ. They're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Jesus said in John 3, that's being born of the water and the spirit, born again, born anew. So you have a new birthright. Hmm. Verse 16 of chapter 12 of Hebrews. Don't sell your birthright for a single meal. Don't sell your birthright for a single meal. Every temptation is a single meal. Remember your birthright. Right. All right, let's go to the uh, verses 28, 29. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, to, conclu- <coughs> to conclude, boy, I'm sorry. Uh, John Mark, why don't you read those? Sure. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore... Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I mean, there's so much here. Uh, Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Immediately, I think about our Lord when he said to Peter, Thou art Peter, and on this rock I will build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And the fullness of this kingdom in this life subsists in the church that our Lord established in mm-hmm. his apostles. Right. And we should be grateful for that. He says, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom. And the kingdom isn't what's called an already not yet. Hmm. It'll be fully com- uh, uh, established when our Lord returns which may not be that far (laughs) in the future, given the culture and and everything we see around us. But it's not yet fulfilled. Mm -hmm. It's present. And we experience it every time we kneel before the altar and see our Lord present in the Eucharist. We experience every time a priest gives us absolution in the confessional. We see it every time, as I did last Sunday, when four children were baptized and brought into the kingdom uh, on the feast of the baptism of our Lord Jesus. Right. We see it every time a man and a woman receives the sacrament of marriage and are made one. Mm-hmm. And every time a priest is ordained a priest or a, a bishop, every time a, a, a priest goes into a hospital room and anoints someone, yeah. we experience the kingdom and yeah. the beauty of that. Yeah, so again, just just before this, you know, focusing on the precariousness 
of the present moment, of the today, of the, the grace that God's offering us, but also the, the, the possibility of falling, the possibility of, of uh, selling that birthright for a single meal. So again, we, on the one hand, we have the precariousness, but then our, our precariousness is not solved by our own strength. It's by God's uh, bountiful generosity. Through him, we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And in that kingdom, through the church, we have these sacraments where we know every time God shows up, you know, we are weak. You know, we, our, 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 our passion, our, our motivation, our will, that flags from day to day. But God always shows up. You know, he's always present to us in his prayer. And he always, in a very special way, shows up to give grace through the sacraments of, of the church. And so, again, what, what God gives us, that is solid, that is permanent, that is not shaken. And it, it, it's left to us to do the, the very simple thing of, it's just for now, for today, for this moment, can I avail myself of that grace? So when we gather, the church says we gotta go to Mass. <laughs> we gotta go. Like, Dad, do I gotta go? <laughs> it's not about gotten to go. Right. It's getting to go. Yep. The privilege of that. And are dragging ourselves with our droopy hands and our weak knees and we're lame and all the distractions of life, he says, be grateful mm-hmm. for this wonderful privilege we have because of our birthright in Jesus Christ. Set aside all the distractions yeah. and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Uh, awe, why? Because our God is a consuming fire. And that's where that holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. How do we attain that holiness? It's not through our will. It's not through our strength. It's because by by approaching the church, which is the body of Christ and his sacraments, we are approaching an all-consuming fire. And it is only through Christ, through, through, through the Lord, the consuming fire, that we are purified and that that holiness is made manifest in us. All right, thank you for joining this episode of Deep in Scripture. John Mark, why don't you close us with some thoughts? Sure. Well, again, thank you for for listening to this program. Thank you for following along with the Coming Home Network. Thank you for being a part of it. I invite you to visit uh, chnetwork.org to learn more about our work and to become connected, Um, especially as we look forward to to 2019. We've got some great ways that uh, if whether you're a new convert to the church, whether you're on the journey, that you can connect with other members of the network. Be sure to get the newsletter if you're not on it. Uh, be sure to check out our community at community.chnetwork.org. Uh, we also have a discussion forum that's available there. We're also having a, a retreat in Columbus, Ohio this April, and that information can be found through the website. Uh, and, and again, once again, thank you for listening and for connecting with the Coming Home Network. Thank you, John. And thank you for joining us on Deep in Scripture. Deep in Scripture is a production of the Coming Home Network International. To hear more episodes view our full archive of written and video conversion stories, participate in our online community forum, and more, visit chnetwork.org. You're also invited to explore free membership in the Coming Home Network and receive support on your own Catholic journey. Again, visit chnetwork.org for more information.